1: ladies and gentlemen may i have your attention please good evening
2: you're listening to straight talk with dean and mark we thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another exciting episode of our show
1: Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Dana Mark. Welcome to two thousand and twenty one. It's a brand new year. So what we gonna do, y'all? We know we got those uh resolutions and all of those good things that people traditionally do, but um maybe it's a year for change, man. It's a new decade, you know, so what we gonna do to make this one a good year? Yeah, we're still dealing with the pandemic and all of that good stuff, but um, you know, Let's try to start this year off right. Four days have already passed. We got 361 chances to uh, write another novel. Let's make it a great one. Now, as far as Washington, D.C. is concerned, it's a little different down there. The nation's capital braces for violence as extremist groups converge to protest uh, 45's election laws. And protests planned for Washington, D.C. this week are likely to attract large numbers of uh, President Donald Trump supporters, including conspiracy theorists, militia groups, and members of the extremist group, the Proud Boys, raising concerns of violent confrontations. The rallies are planned to coincide with the official congressional vote to certify the electoral votes from the Electoral College from the November presidential election and declare President-elect Joe Biden the winner. That's supposed to happen this Wednesday, which will be... January 6. Far-right groups from around the country have vowed to descend on the Capitol to protest the vote and attempt to pressure lawmakers into voting against certifying the results, an outcome that even the leaders of the effort to admit is extraordinarily unlikely to happen. Now Trump himself has amplified conspiracy theories about the election and encouraged his supporters to show up at the protest statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election big protests in dc on january 6th be there will be wild. he treated tweeted on december 18th on sunday the president again promoted the protest writing on twitter i will be there historic day now in preparation for the protest the washington metropolitan police department has stepped up precautions including erecting signs stating that open carry of guns is illegal in the Capitol. Um, National Guard troops will support local police officers and Mayor Muriel Bowser warned residents to avoid the downtown area during the protest. She said that she is evaluating whether a curfew is necessary to quell violence according to the local media reports. Now, on this afternoon, conservative meet social media pages and groups dedicated to things including hashtag Stop the Steal Continue to promote at least four planned rallies in the Capitol on Wednesday, starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. The National Park Service, which regulates permits on federal properties, confirmed at least three of the protests have been awarded permits. Those three permits would allow a maximum of 15,000 protesters, though enforcing such limits is practically impossible. Enrique Tarrio, chairman of the Proud Boys, has been pushing the protests on the social media platform Parler. On Monday, he reposted an image from the political group Latinos for Trump advertising a, quote-unquote, freedom rally planned at a downtown park and promising to feature a live stream from Trump. Tario serves as the chief of staff for Latinos for Trump, a group that has ties to the Trump administration. Tarrio also posted last week that Proud Boys would attend the protests in record numbers. So that they would not be wearing their signature black and gold clothing We will be incognito and we will spread across downtown D.C. And smaller teams, he wrote Now when the Proud Boys protested in Washington, D.C. last month Violent scuffles broke out between protesters, counter-protesters, and police At least 23 people were arrested in in that melee um, Terry later bragged on social media that he has set fire to a Black Lives Matter banner their action, as well as the Proud Boys' call for violence in the run-up to the protest, forms the basis of a lawsuit filed Monday against the group by the Lawyers' Committee for Human Rights. White supremacists like the Proud Boys would rather see the country burned than to see it united together under justice and freedom for all, said Kristen Clark, president and executive director of the Lawyers' Committee. The lawsuit, filed in Washington, D.C. Superior Court, cites numerous instances of Proud Boys posting threatening and violent messages on social media before last month's protest. It seeks damages on behalf of the Metropolitan African Methodist Episcopal Church and notes that the group is pushing for similar violence in the protest this week. Indeed, Tarrio has given explicit instructions to his followers to engage in violence at the inauguration, urging the Proud Boys to take over and using inflammatory rhetoric intended to paint the Proud Boys' actions as revolutionary, the lawsuit reads. Ty responded to the lawsuit on parlor saying, I welcome this with open arms. Now, y'all be careful down there. It's gonna be, it it sounds like it's going to be uh, very interesting come January 20th. Hopefully, this is all smoke because, um, it would be a sad thing for that to actually happen now when they talk about the extremist groups that starting to unite in the article further, further reads the proud boys are by no means the only extremist group planning to descend Wednesday on Washington the militia group the Oath Keepers posted on its official website that the Oath Keepers will be in D.C. and see you there um on Facebook a quick survey of private and public groups dedicated to the militia group of three percenters as well as patriot and confederate causes contain dozens of posts encouraging supporters to protest election results in the capital this is it's getting to the point man where this is unbelievable like I don't know what you know at, at some point you have to believe that a loss is a loss but <laughs> I guess they don't get it. And they'll just have to deal with it as it comes. But like I said, keep your heads up, y'all. Remain vigilant. I believe that there are more Quakers than Klansmen. If you don't understand that statement, I'll explain it to you later. But I know I have not properly introduced myself for 2021. It's the 6 Man, Dean Geronimo, here at the studio. It's Straight Talk with Dana Mark. And from NJ to NC... I'm in the studio with my right-hand man, Mark Lee. So, Mark, tell me what's good in your neck
3: of the woods, my brother. Man, a little bit of everything's going on in my neck of the woods. You know, we just rocking and rolling. I just got done with a great conversation with a young lady from Cincinnati, Ohio, that you'll be getting that program. But she is a nutritionist out of that area. Uh, in her late 30s got some real interesting thoughts about uh, nutrition and the ways that we should be doing in that field. So she was on along with one of the other bosses. This time it was not Kim Calhoun. It was Nick Falveda and my good okay. buddy Jeff Eachin, which is very much involved with the weed process over there at IBM TV. and He does the Weed Wednesday show, but also gets a number of non-violent offenders out of jail because they've been in there for like, you know, simple amounts of weed <clears throat> and all of that, not big amounts. So He was on the show but definitely uh the woman Cara was an amazing lady and I might even have to talk to her about getting the nutrition show on the IBM TV and of course her coming over here and talking to us about some of the things that we're doing here on I network. But definitely it was a great conversation, very infectious personality that she has and all of that so it was definitely an enjoyable conversation she was breaking down some knowledge she even talked about black lives matter and some of the things that were going over there in ohio where she's at and the food insecurities that are taking place and how she would like to see a lot of that not happening because unfortunately too often it happens in our communities and even though she's a young white woman she was definitely still making some very valid points about the ways that we do not treat folks correctly and yes i did uh um, she talked about a lot of things that are nowhere dear and dear to your heart, including like around uh, the health impacts of what goes on if you have diabetes or Crohn or a number of other things, because she's actually got um, one of those rare diseases that has to do with uh, yeast and all of that. She said the name of it several times, but I'm not going to mispronounce it right now because I don't have that dictionary and definition in front of me. I want to say like um, celiac or something like that, because she's definitely been fighting that for a number of years in her life and everything so she shared a little bit about that battle that she has gone through and all the things that she's been dealing with as she she put it before she discovered these health issues that she was facing if 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 it didn't eat her she would probably eat it so if she had that kind of attitude toward food that she was definitely all about eating great food but is not one of those people that is among the many of us that are obese and I definitely need to lose some weight so I guess I can put myself in that category as well but definitely is in that thin category but still knows that that's a daily fight even for her as a young lady and particularly with the things that she's got going on in her own world but she's definitely had some powerful things to say about nutrition and then of course I've been following the NFL seeing who's in who's out who's in the playoffs who's not and I saw that my brother's Bears made it into the playoffs but well, my Vikings did not you know that did not make me happy in the league because <laughs> I needed my Vikings <laughs> to be there and not his Bears not the opposite way around but you know Bill Trespaugh who popped into the show he's real happy because his Buffalo Bills, I think are like the number two seed or something like that So you know he's a happy camper and I know there's some others that are happy as well even you know brother Zach happy because Zach is a Bears fan and he's also glad to get rid of a coach because he's also a Jets fan and
4: he's just (laughs) glad that they got
3: rid of their coach and he's expecting to get a much better coach and then they're going to figure out whether they're going to get Trevor or whether they're going to get Fields or who's going to be their number one pick but he's just glad to get rid of that horrible uh, coach that he's got and then my uh, Warriors were going into the new year uh, half and half team. They were five and five, and I was worried we were going to go down five and six and have start off the new year with a losing record. We were down by 18 points to Georgetown, wow. and somehow managed to come back and win by four. So I'm still trying to figure out how that happened, but I was not going to argue with it. I did kind of want to argue with uh, Carolina and Texas A&M because you know they had them on the ropes, and then Texas A&M just kind of like let them. They had a smoking Fourth quarter, I think they scored like three touchdowns and they won that Orange Bowl. But yeah, Carolina was actually uh, I thought had good position and could have won that game, but you know they just ran out of the juice and those other guys from Texas were big, so they got they used that strength and went ahead and won. And the ACC did not do good. I think that the last I heard, I think they sent sixteen to bowl games, none of them won. So it was like zero six. Wow. Unless, wow. unless, unless something has changed, but I think that the last I saw, they were zero six in bowl games with Carolina going down, a number of other teams that went to bowls, including Clemson going down as well. And I think this coming week, that game's going to be uh, uh, definitely a uh, barn burner because I know that everybody's pretty much probably right in Alabama as the victors once again. But from what I saw of Ohio State, I think the game's going to be a lot closer than people think because they look like they got a chip on their shoulders that they, you know, some people didn't think that they deserved to be in it. They only played six games in the entire season, and uh, now they've won seven games, but they are seven and out so like I said, I think they've got a little chip on their shoulder, and I don't think just avenging last year's loss to um, Clemson was enough for that chip to be off their shoulder. I think that chip is still on there, and you know, anytime you play a team with a chip on their shoulder, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. So and then of the course, man- we got Georgia. We got Georgia
3: <laughs> in the news. So we got Georgia happening big time in the news, and we got to see what's going to happen with that, So we got Georgia yeah. in the House, and I have no idea what's going to go on with that Georgia election. I've heard several people speculate that they think that it's going to be strictly going toward the um, Democratic side, and I hope that is correct, but we're going to find out what folks got to say, and I heard all right. kinds of doorbell rings, so I don't know if that Bruh, was three doorbell rings uh, that I heard, but heard so. all kinds of doorbell sure. rings. <laughs>
1: I got four at the door right now. Looking through the peephole, I see four. So right. I don't know who's at the door, but I'll start with who's been at the door the longest and we'll work our way on down into it. All right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring the first individual in and we're gonna find out who this is. All right. Um call a last Four digits, four, five, one, eight. Welcome to Straight Talk with Dana Mark. You're now on the line. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from.
2: Hi, this is Camilla Olson. I'm calling from Palo Alto, California. Wow.
3: How are you doing, Camille? Camille has got an amazing company going on that she is part of. And I met her through some of these people that do some great networking. And they always got some amazing people that they are affiliated with. And that's our good friends from LSX. But I would love for Camille to tell us about the company. And that actually may be who one of the other calls is because I know that she said that uh, her Um, business partner was also going to be calling in as well. And I know I got some other folks that will be calling in doing this show as well. But Camille, I know that uh, definitely I've been impressed with some of the things that you are doing business wise and all of that, and definitely a supporter of uh, folks that are doing the entrepreneurship dream and all of that. So uh, tell folks, not just where you are from, which you just told Dean and everything, but a little bit about your company and about the great things that y'all are doing.
2: Oh, thanks so much. Um, It was really fun to meet you, too, and I really appreciate the opportunity to to be uh, here with you guys tonight. Nice to meet you. Um, So uh, my um, co-founder, Nick Clayton, and I started Stratitude really about four years ago um, to really solve the fit problem in fashion, Um, and we Built a recommendation technology company to help women find clothes to fit their body shape, Um, and what we found is, um, when what we're doing was matching body shape to the silhouette and design details in clothing, so we're matching, you know, it's an aesthetic-based process. And what we found is that we did a too good of a job, and we found that there were clothes, there were pockets of women where there were no clothes that you could recommend that would look good on them because nobody had designed any clothes for them. Um, and that was just really depressing. Um, and so when we looked at it, we realized that what happened is that designers are always designing for the hourglass body shape and there are really nine body shapes, Um, and so, you know, eight of them are being designed for, so that's about, you know, 80%, Um, but, you know, in react practicality, it's really about 40 to 50% of women who are really not being considered in the fashion design studio, so that's why there's about Um, billions and billions of dollars of inventory being thrown into the landfill every year and um, and 35% of returns um, at retail. So it's a huge problem in the industry and it's why um, the industry is really not very profitable. And right now there's so much upheaval. So we wanted to solve this problem I did, are you asleep now? Um, no, no. <laughs> that's sure it. Is, cause actually, it actually
3: <laughs> falls into what I was saying earlier, and everything, because I've told you and everything and you know, a lot of people here on the network know here on Blog Talk Radio as well as the other uh, platforms that we're on. I'm part of IBM TV and one of the things that we had on the show that I did earlier today was a young lady talking about nutrition and the fact that 40% of the population yeah. is considered obese and all of that. So a lot of that is tied into yeah. the ways that the fashion industry also ties into what's going on because a lot of times that's all part of the commercial industry that, you know, teaches us to eat the wrong food, but also to have a very negative attitude about our um, style of body and things along that line. And so if, that's very interesting to choose.
2: Feeds, feeds on itself, Go ahead. really. And yeah, it feeds on itself and it makes you feel really bad when you can't find clothes that, that even just fit your body. So anyhow, we decided that we wanted to fix this problem and go into the design studio and help designers design for all body shapes. Um, Cause we knew that that was a, a real problem and it really is contributing to the mental health of women and uh, it's contributing to just too many societal problems. Um, and so we, um, so we set out uh, that goal, and I can't believe it, but my partner actually achieved the goal and built this amazing technology that works. It's so easy. Um, it seems like it just is picking up, you know, like images, you know, like complete images from like a library, but it's actually AI putting together these um, pieces custom made for an individual. Um, It works exactly how a fashion designer thinks. Um, We do custom prints. Um, It's like the most futuristic uh, technology that uh, I've seen. It's a complete game changer in fashion design and has lots of applications. Sorry, I can't show it to you right now
3: you can't do that because it sounds like amazing but we've got <laughs> Nick on the line and Nick can tell me one um, how he got involved with you and everything but also whether he was always one of those people that thought that he would be in fashion from jump or is this something that came about as something new to him in terms of an industry interest because like I said I believe that he's Definitely got ties to the AI field, but AI and fashion don't always go together, even though there's that big event in Miami, Art Basel, Basel, I think it's called, that definitely has some aspects of fashion and AI. But definitely, uh, Nick, glad that you got you on and everything, but I'd love to learn more about how you got involved with the company and whether fashion was something that you were always enthralled with or whether this is something new to you and uh, why you decided to bring the AI aspect of it into the whole uh, industry of what y'all are doing.
5: Yeah, so uh, I, I have not really been a fashionista uh, prior to my um, career at Um, uh, but I do uh, love a, a challenging problem, um, and I love uh, a, a good cause.
6: Um,
5: and I've known Camilla for uh, almost 20 years now, uh, so she reached out to me with uh, the, the sort of basic concepts that um, we could uh, create a, a algorithm and an engine around um, this concept of uh, body shape and proportions that um, she had been working with at her label. Um, and so we, we started talking about it and we, we found that we worked well together and we started, you know, really um, sat down with, with fashion expertise and uh you know machine learning expertise down at the same table um and hashed out uh I think a system that is unique um in how focused it is on fashion, um but yet how flexible it is um for
3: that. Wow, that sounds really amazing everything. Camille, um tell a little bit about how you got involved in the fashion industry as well. Like I said, a lot of folks might be interested in knowing how you got involved in the the industry and what brought you into the industry, Camilla. So I'd love to hear more as to what got you into it and whether it was something that you thought you'd be doing all your life or something that you came into later in life.
2: Well, the moms out there are going to laugh at this story. Um, Well, my, I never liked fashion at all. Um, I, thought it was not um well I didn't think it was like really an honorable profession I mean I I'll tell you it's just a bad um I, you know, it's just you know bad upbringing um and, I, and my daughter wanted to be a um a fashion designer in middle school and I thought uh, no that's like a horrible idea um you know you'll never be able to support yourself who, you know, who's doing, you know, I, I was, I was arrogant, I was, a, I, I was a bad person, let me just tell you that, and had a bad, um, you know, I just confess I was, just had a bad attitude, and so we had a, a big fight about it, and to kind of call her, bluff, I took her to an open house in San Francisco, and said, you know, I thought, oh, she'll go there and see, you know, who she'll be with, and she'll never, ever enroll, well, it, you know, checked on me because I enrolled and in the program and got a degree. <laughs> so that's that's what happened. Um, my daughter is, is doing, is, yeah. <laughs> that's
3: my my daughter's, daughter's is doing, the daughter actually doing anything in the fashion industry now? Is she involved with your company or is she, like, totally not having anything to do whatsoever in the industry and her mom got into the industry that she thought she was going to have?
2: You know, my daughter works at Adobe, and she's doing strategic uh, uh, planning, and she's got a high-level job in what they call their non-genuine revenue. Um, You know, so if you don't have a proper license for Adobe, Photoshop, or whatever, you know, she's on you. She's after you. (laughs) So she's a software accounting person. Um, she doesn't do anything uh, in in fashion, um, so we completely flipped. Um, um, but I ended up doing an MFA in fashion design, and completely by accident, ended up getting a, doing a fashion label for five years, an e-commerce label, um, and uh, learned about debt, how bad. Um, you know fit problem is for fashion designers and earlier in my in my life i had done a company um a predictive modeling company uh that it was actually clinical trial design um and i there was something about how that was structured and that made me think we could solve the fit problem in a similar way um, and, I, and that's when I talked to Nick, and I said, well, you know, you know, I didn't have the right language to explain to him, but he figured out, you know, the way I moved my hands, what I was talking about. Um, and we got the solution together, um, and uh, and it worked. That's, that's, that's kind of really how it happened. Um, but here we are. Um, I didn't yeah. know, but we were doing AI. And, and now we have this, <laughs> this company that's doing really cool stuff. Nick tells Sounds like you're doing a lot of good stuff. So. So, I do want to bring a couple
3: of others as well, and everything. But before we get to them, Nick, um, tell us a little bit about your background with AI. AI has always fascinated me. I know that one of the uh, people that I'm associated with on IBM TV is a uh, young lady named Scarlett. Um, Akana I believe is the last name but she's originally from I think Honduras or something like that but she's definitely in that AI space and I've actually had the pleasure of seeing how extensive AI is and even went to like one of their meetup groups that they were having and got to see that some of this stuff is actually even accessible to the common man because there was like some stuff that I was able to download and I'm sure that if I had spent a lot of money I probably could have even played with it in a more detailed kind of way. But even just with a simple program, I was able to see some really cool stuff that's going on in AI. So I know AI is just doing some truly great things around the globe and around the country, but I don't know what Nick's doing with AI. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved with AI and how you feel AI is um, helping industries like the fashion industry and like a number of other industries. So I know it's even helping the music industry and the film industry. And a lot of people are using AI now because of the pandemic and it's helping even our musicians and our singers and things of that nature as they're trying to do hybrid learning and hybrid performances.
5: Yeah, uh, so I came to, to AI um, really through uh, computer vision and robotics. Um, so way back in, in high school, I was uh, you know, programming captain of the robotics team um, and that was sort of my first uh hit of computer vision um, trying to get the, the camera on the robot to, to see things um, so that it could uh, glitch and spin around furiously in autonomous mode. Um, but uh, so I got you um, know really interested in um, computer vision and later uh, machine learning. Um, and really, as you were saying, the applications are just there are so vast and broad of applications, um, particularly as we're looking at um, some of the, the research that's come out in the last five to 10 years um, in terms of the, the problems that can be solved. Um, like like the one that we're solving at Savitude. I, I don't think this this technology that we've developed at Savitude is something that we could have developed 10 years ago, um, both because uh, computing power has come so far and because what the state of the art has come so far. Um, yeah, I got, uh, you know, my, my very first AIs were uh, back in um, elementary and middle school. I used to write uh, scripts to play uh, the, the game RuneScape for me. Because um, there was a, uh, it was a MMORPG and there were, you know, repetitive Boring tasks that you had to grind, and so
3: I wrote box to do them for me. Well, so it sounds like you're doing some amazing things with that AI, even so back then. Is, and it, go ahead, can, Camilla. Can
2: we, yeah, when, let me kind of take it. When you ask Nick a question, there's a direction I buy if, I, if you may, if we may take it um, a little more visual here. One of the things we do is we, our system is entirely visual. So we, the use, some, the designer uses our technology. So she doesn't have to code. She doesn't have to know anything about computers. She just takes images that she would normally use when she designs. And she uses these images for inspiration. And so she just uploads them into Uh, her computer which then goes into our system and our technology looks for details that it then uses to create new designs Um, and so we have it worked out to create clothing Um, but we see future applications for like other artists and other consumer technologies to use this too for example It can be used, you know, an easy, you know, next step is to, say, use it in, like, TV production to do costuming or in movie production to do costuming. Um, But easy also for um, uh, songwriters, Um, you know, take a theme from a song and put that into clothing Um, instead of making some crappy graphic T-shirt why don't you make a cool dress or top or pant or something or jacket that really embodies the theme of that song, you know, in the, in the lines of the clothing rather than, you know, just some silly graphic. Um, you know, you can take the art of graphics to a whole new level. Um, so that's kind of, that's, you know, the future of what I see of we see of what we can do with,
3: our technology. Sounds like some amazing technology and everything. And I want to bring in a songwriter that I had also invited to come on to the call as well to see whether he's even thought about using this kind of thing in terms of this kind of technology and learn a little bit about him. So Desmond, the songwriter, I'm sure that you've been listening and everything. So if you can share a little bit about your background. And if you even thought about designing some kind of cool shirts using this kind of technology that they've got with their fashion enterprise and everything. So Desmond, tell folks a little bit about yourself and what you've got going on as well and where you're calling from.
6: Okay, so I am Desmond, the songwriter. I'm currently living in the Bronx, New York City. I'm originally from Kingston, Jamaica. Um, I produce and uh, promote and perform music
0: Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. CTMobile.com.
8: Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, Pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.
6: Um, I have a new my latest album, Happiness, is called Happiness is Priceless. Um, it was uh, released at the height of the pandemic in April of this year, and it uh, debuted on the Sound SoundScan Reggae chart. And um, that's what's been going on. I've been singing professionally since I'm a little boy, and um, sung all over the world, um, here in all over the United States, Europe, um, over the all over the Caribbean, and. Uh, as I said, the, the album is a concept album about money and uh, the choices mm-hmm. we make in life when we have it and as well as the choices we make when we don't have it. Um, and, of course, the music is available um, all over. It's available at all great record stores around New York City and in Syracuse, New York, and in New Jersey. Has, uh, CDs, uh, vinyl records for those who are into vinyl. Um, it's also available for download um, on... Uh, uh, Apple Music, uh, streaming on Apple Music, streaming on Spotify, download on Amazon from Amazon or um, iTunes. And uh, cool. my website also DesmondTheSongwriter.com. You can get all uh, all the information and in additional information in on me and my music, including purchasing records, CDs, vinyl records, and all that stuff.
3: Sounds great. And you said that the music. How would you describe your music? And I said it sounds like part of your messaging is even some of what you're singing about. So if you can share with our audience as well as the other folks on the call a little bit about the message of the music currently and also a little bit about how you got involved in the music game. Yes.
6: Well, as I said, I produce music um, for people who are looking for upliftment. So everything in my music is about uplifting people. Um, uh, it, it's, 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 the album is primarily reggae music. Uh, the, the 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 first single on the album is actually a dancehall track, which is um, a hybrid of reggae, modern hybrid of reggae. Uh, it's it's a, it's called Rise Up, about putting our our talents, we all have talents, we should put them to good use. And if we put our talents to good use, we wouldn't have it, we would make excuses, we would be able to work our way out of just about any situation we find ourselves in. The title of the record is Happiness is Priceless. The, side of the track also is happiness is priceless about pretty much, you know, money, money, um, can't buy happiness. Um, asked me buy the, the, the secret of happiness is, is helping each other, helping people. Uh, and and, and, um, I've heard rich folks say the same thing that, you know, they're rich and they're often unhappy. Um, so money doesn't buy happiness. So that's the mm-hmm. message pretty much I put out just mm-hmm. themes that will uplift people, uh, um, the, the third track on the record is, is called Laugh About It. We are in various situations, and sometimes we have to just make light of the situation until we can fix it, we can work ourselves out of it. We laugh about it. I got into the business as a child. I, I, I was adopted when I was eight years old. My mother used to send me to church, but my adopted parents, parents started taking me to church. And that was when I discovered um, my musical talents at the church that I was being taken to by my adoptive parents. Um, shortly after I started attending the church, they, uh, quite a few of the gospel prominent gospel bands at the time started buzzing around the church trying to recruit me to open for them. And I, and I eventually started doing that when I was eight years old. Toward around the island wow. of Jamaica, toward the United States, singing gospel music. Um, Then I went to a high school that has a boy choir Mm -hmm. in the British choral tradition, Kingston College Chapel Choir in Kingston, started singing classical music, Um, left high school, Uh, got involved in a musical theater company in Kingston, the Pantomime Company, Um, did some musical theater for about six years. They toured, performed around Kingston, as well as came to the United States on tours and went to the UK and all that. Then uh, after about six years of that, I started doing some cabaret work on the north coast, it's the hotel circuit in, in, in on the north coast of Jamaica, where most of the acts cut their teeth, their performing, get their develop their performing chops. So I did that briefly, and then I started taking my songwriting seriously. And um, a few years after I started writing my own songs, I migrated to the United States. Um, before I came to Jamaica, I was singing mostly alternative music, not so much reggae music, because Just about every other artist in Jamaica is a reggae artist. But after I came to America, um, I decided that I should really showcase my culture some more. Um, I saw the need for it. There was a lack of shortage, not enough people showcasing, and so I got into that. And um, recently, the the National Songwriters Association International actually uh, recognized me as a, a songwriter to watch.
4: I, I have been a member of
6: that association for a long time, since since I was in Jamaica, actually. So that's what's been well, going. But That's how I got into the business, too, that just by starting on the good. church and, and working my way around and going around and performing every chance I get, and then now I'm writing my my original material. It's been a few years.
3: Sounds like some amazing work that you've got going on and everything. I've mean, got some questions that the to tie into everybody and all of the folks are doing, particularly in this age and everything. But before I get to that conversation, I did want to bring in the uh, final person, at least that I'm aware of, that'll be calling, and that's uh, Jason Weeks. So we can come in and have Jason come in and tell us a little bit about what he's got going on as well. So Jason, I'm uh, glad that you're able to join the conversation and everything. So you'll tell folks a little bit about yourself, where you're at, and some of the things that you're involved in as well.
4: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the air. Appreciate it. I'm a I'm a pop music artist. I've been uh, I've been uh, doing music since I was eight years old. I've been singing since Hello. I was eight years old. Uh, I've been playing the piano since I was fourteen years old. I uh, one of my promoters was David Coons one of the founding members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've also had a chance to work with, I used to have my own speaker radio show on Facebook, so I had a chance to work with the radio host of American Idol Underground. So I just recently released my new album, Santa Maria. It has about 14 tracks. And then I just released my new uh, Christmas album, Air Me Win Christmas. So uh, basically, uh, and uh, since there's a lot of places in the United States that still have uh, pandemic, coronavirus restrictions, probably, uh, I'm probably going to take a couple of band members with me this summer and go on tour to
3: South Dakota this summer. Wow. Sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on as well. So definitely doing some amazing things. i go ahead and hear that and everything. Now, that's one of the things I was going to ask all of y'all, because y'all are all involved to some degree in what folks would consider the fashion and entertainment industry and all of that, and definitely we're in the middle of this pandemic, so how are you able to cope with what's going on? And I guess I'll start with you, Camilla, because I know there's a lot of folks have definitely been impacted by the fact that we're in the middle of this pandemic and they definitely are saying that it's going to impact a lot of the entertainment industry, whether that's music, whether that's fashion, whether that's Broadway, whether that's theater, or the various other aspects of entertainment and small business. And you actually fall into both of those categories. So um, how were you able to adapt when we came into this whole pandemic environment as an entrepreneur and as a fashion entrepreneur?
4: Well, well for me... Oh,
3: hold on a second. That was actually for Camilla, oh,
4: and then sorry. I'll
2: come to you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So we fortunately our product was just coming out of development, uh, right in the middle of this, and we adjusted our uh, our plans for this. So we are first going after the luxury industry, and so we're in a program that's centered out of Milan with Prada and. Um, Valentino and Accenture, um, so that we can get, uh, hopefully get uh, the luxury uh, fashion, uh, you know, blessing uh, for what we do, Um, but the rest of fashion is really a mess um, and is undergoing a lot of restructuring, and there, our technology is really helpful in helping fashion restructure so we're really focusing on how can we help fashion become more profitable and help people um, get clothing to uh, you know help men and women find clothes to fit their body better, faster and more cheaply, and more economically and not pollute the earth. So that's our goal. Um, so we're soon announcing a partnership with a big. Technology company where we'll be able to get clothes from the buy button to phone out in like about an hour. Um, and that was, that's like an enormous advance, and we very excited about that. Um, so uh, I think we're like on the forefront of changing fashion, um, bringing in consumer co creation and uh, on-demand manufacturing, and so we're really focusing on moving that kind of application of uh, uh, e-commerce, uh, moving that forward. But on the um, uh, entertainment side, we do have our own song, um, uh, Justin Tranter, who's one of the most prolific pop songwriters. Um, wrote a song for us, um, so we, we're, we're also in the song business, so uh, it's really nice to uh, meet the other um, singers here, um, I can't wait to download your music and pay for it and listen to it
3: sounds great and everything. Nick, I guess one of the industries that's done really well in this pandemic and everything is this whole concept of AI, uh, virtual reality, uh, technology, and things along those lines. Would you agree with me on that? And also do you see that happening for a while? I'm thinking even with when a lot of our schools are doing hybrid education and I don't think that that's going to change anytime I say over the next year or two because I think that we're going to be even with the vaccine, we still might be dealing with the um, residual effects of what's going on for another year or two. So I'm thinking that this is actually a boom industry in the sense of what uh, the computer field and the AI technology kind of stuff. So would you agree with me on that, and what are your thoughts about that?
5: Yeah, I mean, so the world has been uh, kind of shifting in that direction for a while now. Um, And, uh, you know, fashion has been in need of um, some pretty serious overhauling for a while now. Uh, and really, the, the pandemic has accelerated that um, in really the sort of the most unfortunate way for uh, those industries and uh, everyone who's been harmed by the pandemic. Um, but it, it has really created the, the drive to sort of get people out of the, the rut that they're used to um, and into using you know more of these uh, technologies, more of these, that they just weren't leveraging before because they didn't
3: need to, to you know, get by day-to-day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and everything. And before I get to my other uh, songwriters and everything, the other question I have for you, Camilla, is what do you think some of the great mythologies about fashion are? Because I know that there's a lot of times, you definitely mentioned one of them, that they think that everybody size zero or zero one or two or something like that. But I'm sure there's some other mythologies that exist in the fashion world as well that you have had to face, including I'm thinking that they don't do that good of a job of supporting um women entrepreneurs that are, like, at the executive level in the, the fashion industry. I know that there are some women designers, but I just don't feel that there's enough of that going on yeah. and definitely not enough minority representation. But maybe that's a misconception uh, of mine, and maybe it's better than I think it is. But I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I wish. <laughs> don't you wish? Wouldn't that be nice if I could say, oh, you're wrong. Um, there's minorities everywhere. Um, not, not, no, that's not true. Um, I wish it were." Um, So the the biggest thing is that um, fashion makes women feel like they're supposed to wear something um, because their best friend's wearing it or there's some idol, you know, somebody on TV or a movie is wearing it. They think, oh, I should wear that and I'll look good. Um, And that's just BS. Um, The thing is that you're going to look good in something that, Com- is going to complement your shape and your figure, you know? Um, so you really need to figure out or let some technology help you figure out what's going to look good on your body. And that's the biggest thing about fashion. Um, and it took me, you know, you and I are age contemporaries sort of, kind of. It took me all that time to figure this out. Um, and so if I could tell my younger self something that's what I would tell myself um you know stop worrying about what my best friend's wearing figure out what looks good on my figure and stick with it and stop worrying about trends and uh all that sort of thing I think that's the biggest misconception the the other thing is that um with respect to um uh, minority, you know, minority representation, ge- gender differences, and all of that. Um, you know, it's differences, and differences are good. Um, just because we see something different, it's that's a gift. Like um, Nick and I are very, really like black and white. We're very different in how we view things, but that's a good thing because our different points of view get us to where we are today. Um, and that we generally respect each other's point of view. Um, And it's because of that difference that we're able...
7: You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to
0: learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See T-Mobile.com.
8: Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line
2: to build this company, and that's why Amazon and Google and Microsoft have not been able to succeed in this because they haven't listened to each other. Um, so I think bringing minorities by bringing in women, mixing genders, and mixing in all kinds of genders is the right thing to do to, to get a lot more advances uh, in this world.
3: It sounds like you're doing some really positive work that needs to be done. Um, Jason and Desmond, um, how do you feel that uh, the uh, pandemic has impacted your industries and even getting out in terms of doing your own work and things along those lines? And then um, I'll come back uh, to Nick, because I did want to know how he feels that AI is doing in that sense of minority uh, representation as well. But I'll start with you, Jason, and you, Desmond, as to how the pandemic is impacting uh, your industries and your own work and getting it out to the people. So I'll start with you, Desmond.
4: Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, basically, the pandemic, uh, because I am asthmatic too, so I'm one of those people, you can't wear a mask because it'll create health problems for you. So uh, I carry around a medical card by my doctor everywhere I go. But uh, what I have done Because live performances have been uh, so severely limited over the pandemic. I've done like a lot of people. I've used uh, e-commerce, iTunes, YouTube Music, Amazon Music. And basically, the internet route is the way that I have gone in order to uh, market my music.
3: Definitely. And what about you Jason How have you been doing in terms of getting your word out and everything and getting the music out and everything? Well actually that was Jason so Desmond the songwriter.
6: Yeah, I'm here. So um yeah so as everyone knows you know the the, ma- the main way to promote music is is uh, is live performances and that has been virtually impossible because of the pandemic so um you know we, I I had to pivot and you know try well I was doing some online work before, but, you know, even more, put pay a, a lot more attention to my work in promoting my music online, using social media, you know, my website, um, um, things like that, um, trying to create more interest on um, the videos. And, and li- I have a Facebook Live um, show every Saturday night on my Facebook and, and Instagram, li- Instagram pages. Uh, at eight p.m. and and so, you know, that is where I put a lot of effort. I I actually started taking some dance lessons um, from this <laughs> Jamaican guy who lives in Italy to to kind of you know make my of course presentations more interesting. And um, of course, the, the the time away you know uh, afforded me the opportunity to to, to to woodshed some more and build my chops, my 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 piano. Spent more time with my piano, my guitar, and my songwriting. too. I, I um I, I've found that I have more time to to write more and 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 so on. So I know whatever new material I put out, um, I have some new material coming out, and it's going to be even better than it has ever been. Because as I said, I've had more time to focus on my writing and my chops, and just you know getting my word out to my fan base through my um, social media and on my website.
3: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Nick, coming back to the whole concept of the conversation around representation and things of that nature, I do know, like I said, Scarlett, the lady I mentioned, is a, a Latin American background, and I know some others that are in that space that are of minority background, but I don't see enough representation in the AI space and everything along those lines. But I was wondering, is that just uh, me not seeing those people doing that work, or is that an area that we could see better representation at in the sense of having more minorities engaged in this dynamic, growing business.
5: Yeah, that, that's unfortunately not just you. Um, it is uh, very much a a trend that I think a lot of people in computer science in general um, are are trying to buck uh, and you know make um, computer science uh, and AI more uh, diverse. And I think it's really important, um, particularly when we're looking at uh, AI, where so much of the, the outcomes depend mm-hmm. on uh, the, you know, the, the training data that's put in and the testing that you do, um, and you know, when the the testing uh, of AI algorithms uh, is done, you know, primarily by uh, unaccented white men, you get, you know, voice recognition that can't pick up on accents. You get facial recognition that's uh, not good at finding minority faces. Um, you get all these sorts of problems that derive from that lack of diversity in the field. Um, but I do think it's really uh, an issue
3: that, that
5: is being worked on uh, but needs to be solved.
3: Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Now, all of y'all that are on the call I know are also been very much involved with uh, social media, and I think that social media is very important as a marketing tool. And like I said, I met uh, both you, Camilla, and Nick through LSX, and I met some of the others through LinkedIn and things along that line. So if you could talk to me about the importance of social media to your work, and particularly the work in entertainment. I sometimes feel that it's something that we don't get enough of training in it, and we know that it's a tool that mm-hmm. is a powerful tool, but I don't know that everybody in the various entertainment fields uses it effectively as much as they could. But I think that y'all are doing a great job of using it effectively, Camilla and Nick, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around that and if you think that that's something that even more of the industry needs to do on a more consistent basis. I'll talk to you, Camila. Please, I
2: mean, yeah, I really wish I knew more about it. Um, um, I feel completely I inadequate and want to know at least 10 times more than I know. It's so crucial, so, so crucial. Um, so for us, Instagram and especially LinkedIn is really, really important for us. And now I, TikTok and Reels is becoming really important. So I'm trying to learn about them. Um, that's really fun, except TikTok is a real-time thing for me. I love watching TikTok. Um, that makes my husband crazy. Um, and, but the thing about uh, LinkedIn is that now I, I really want to start a community, um, and I know that that's going to be another big time thing, and I, but I'm really excited about that because um, I haven't seen a community for what we, we need to talk about. So I' am excited about that. So I think if you approach social in the right attitude, I think it can be exciting and fun and interesting. So um, I kind of I think I'm kind of late at the game on this, but I waited until it really felt authentic. Um, but now I'm feeling really excited about digging into, um, into it myself and not hiring that out. Um, I think that's one thing. And another thing is um, something we haven't said is that our technology is really, 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 really good at reading fashion on social media. Um, so that is kind of a fun thing, too, for us. Um, um, so we'll be able to take advantage of um understanding trends that are happening on social media too so we're looking at it from two different ways
3: definitely and i know that trends are very important and that's one of the things that i'm oftentimes fascinated by the fashion industry and i'm wondering nick if your technology is going to help um address one of the things i'm here to ask which is that often too time too often the trends become kind of uh like i won't say flighty but they become too quick and everything like what's popular now isn't popular like five or six years from now or something along those lines. And then we also have the trends where it comes back around. Like I remember that there was a time frame that some of those things that are now popular now were actually popular in the 70s and the 80s because some of the disco (laughs) attire to some degree is coming back in some of the other attires that are out there. So will your algorithms and stuff show those kind of things? Will it let people see things that might be going to be trending back into popularity Because a lot of times that is one of the things that happens with fashion is that sometimes things that were popular in the past become popular again, or things that you thought would never be popular become popular. So I was just wondering if some of those algorithms will be assessed as well, and how how are some of the ways that you assess these algorithms in order to kind of like make the product even more known to the community?
5: Yeah, so it's really hard to track um, sort of, trends in the abstract, um, but what what we can track is trend trendsetters. Um, so uh, like Camilla was talking about looking at social media, um, we can track uh, individuals who have been sort of the, the leading edge of trend in the past, um, or sometimes maybe individuals who have been ahead of the trend in the past. Um, and we can use uh, insights around those people as a group um, to predict what the upcoming trends are gonna be Um, so it's not so much about like uh, you know flannels were popular in one year so crew next are gonna be popular in the next Um, it's about you know who who is setting the trend um, and what are they doing
3: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What are some of the um? And I'm this is actually for everybody on the call. And everything, but what are some of the uh, fashion trends that have surprised you in this modern era, or some of the trends that uh, you wish would make a comeback, or some of the trends that you hope never make a comeback? So I'll start off with the folks that are involved in that space, which is Camilla and Nick. But I'd also love to hear from Jason, Desmond, the songwriter, and I'll even ask Dean as well. So. Definitely. What are some of the trends that you think folks uh, would be surprised will be happening, as well as some of the things that you would like to see never come back?
2: Skinny jeans should necessarily...
4: never come. Oh.
2: oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Oh, Nick,
4: go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Oh yeah, I was just going to say it's not
5: necessarily um, a, a shock, but I'm uh, very amused by the the sort of waist up fashion. Um,
3: that uh, hasn't been highlighted lately. Understood. What about you, Camilla?
2: Well, it's so funny he said that, because the first thing I thought of was uh, skinny jeans should never come back. Uh, so I went, you know, right down below. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're both talking sort of comfort, kind of. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. So that's,
3: that's yeah, our commentary, definitely. I think. <laughs> gotcha. Desmond, the songwriter, and you've said the time in Jamaica, which has definitely uh, has some fashion sense and everything. So what are some of the things that you would like to see not come back or some of the things that you hope to come back in the fashion sense?
6: Yeah, well, for me, you know, I I think everything is. I its place I mean, I, I I like to see people in Stuff from way back, you know. It looks if, if, if people were stylish way back, were stylish, and I like to see them dre- people dress the way the people used to dress. And I also like some sort of the the modern um, things um, that people wear. I mean, I'm not I'm not crazy in my, my dressing myself personally. I mean, I'm, I guess it's safe to say I'm kind of conservative in my dressing. And to be honest, sometimes I see some things. I mean, the, the ripped jeans phenomenon. Let's talk about the ripped jeans phenomenon, for example. <laughs>
4: uh,
6: I, that, that's not something you'll catch me alive in because I grew up poor. There was a time in my life when I wore a rip, ripped jeans because I didn't have a choice. So if I'm at a stage in my life now where I don't have to wear a ripped jean, I would never, I would never take good money and put it on a torn piece of clothing because there was a time in my life when I had to wear it because I didn't have a choice. So I guess that's something that I wish is, is modern. I, I wish it would go away. Um, that, cause that's the one thing that comes to mind is something that I don't care for. But as I said, I like to see old styles and modern. A lot of modern things look really good. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's all I say for fashion.
3: Gotcha. What about you, Jason?
4: Uh, personally, one of the clothing areas. That really impressed me Was uh, the retro age When you see a nice looking man In a nice suit and tie I personally think I look better in a suit and tie Than anything else Uh, I do think good uh, I do think good Blue jeans Like 501 blues That kind of thing Are a good modern casual style But uh, I would have to agree with him on the ripped jeans. Just not, just not good fashion, but uh, I would, uh, I would definitely like to see the retro style come back really strong.
3: Yeah, I can definitely agree with y'all on that. Dean, you got any thoughts on that as well? Since I've got you still on the call, is there things that you would like to see not be happening in the fashion industry?
1: You know what? Uh, if I had to pick something, cause you know what? Everybody's going to buy what they like. Right. And they're going to support what they like. However, buy clothes that have a little room in them. Like all your stuff can't be that tight, man. Like, you know, people, people will say, well, I wear my clothes to fit. Now you wear your clothes to suffocate because you can't, you know, if you can't lift your arms clean above your head, if you can't do a squat with your pants around your waist, not around under your butt, like, that needs to go completely. You know, but put them up on your waist, man. If you cannot do a squat or sit down without having to readjust something or move something, hey, man, your pants are too tight, your shirt's too tight, you're wheezing right now. You know, put on... It's all right to wear clothes, but make sure that they fit, meaning they look presentable.
7: You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast.
8: Right now, mix and match a Chicken McRiddle's or a McChicken Biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. (laughs) Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.
1: They don't look like they're too baggy. They don't look like they're suffocating you and that you need to go get some emergency assistance. So, you know, if <laughs> I had to pay,
3: that, that's what I'm
4: trying.
3: No, I can definitely agree with you on that and everything. Now, this is for everybody. This is a conversation we've had about on this show uh, with a number of different guests. But how do you feel we're doing in the sense of – Education, because it is my opinion that we're not doing a good enough job of even teaching folks what good fashion is, much less what good music and what good uh, creativity is in a lot of senses. And definitely, we know that creativity is very important to the development of critical thinking. But I sometimes feel that we're not doing a good enough job in that regard. I know that I've got some friends of mine that say that we're teaching uh, 18th century values in the, the 21st century times. And definitely, I think that even going back to the retro stuff, that we could have some things going on, where we could even teach about the importance of retro and how that was a very fashionable style, whether we're talking the retro era, like the Harlem Renaissance, or the retro era, even if we want to go back to like some of the things that the French might have been doing in the 17th and the 18th century, if, and coming up to modern times. But Camilla, what is your thoughts about how we're doing in the sense of teaching about creativity and fashion, in particular, in our school systems and in society in general.
2: Well, I well, if I were to give it on a scale of one to ten, where ten is excellent, I would say it's probably a minus five. Um, and, I, you know, I, my kids have grown, and I was the PTA president. I was the site council chair for a couple of years here in Palo Alto, um, which supposedly has a good school system. And, and it's crap. I mean, and I, creativity really isn't taught. Um, arts are not really taught, I don't believe. Um parents, if you have what the means, put you into some kind of stupid program where they force stuff down your throat, but you're not really taught to be creative. Um, That's one point of view. Um, Another point of view is that uh, for fashion, for example, we're all held to a standard to some fictitious average hourglass person who doesn't exist. Um, And so, you know, I I know from my data that 45 to 55% of women, and that's a consistent range uh, that comes back every time I do the study, um, hate shopping because of it. They feel bad uh, that they can't find clothes that work for them. Um, Imagine how that disturbs women's point of view of themselves how that contributes to obesity, how that contributes to self-esteem,
7: relationships.
2: I think it's a huge problem um, that we don't, you know, address this well enough. Um, I think it's also spilled over into mathematics and sciences and all. Personally, I think homeschooling and our lack of good education has gotten us into this horrible situation in our country and what's happening this week and you know we need to do better
3: I definitely agree with you we must do better we got to do a lot better in that regards and everything and I couldn't agree with you more that we've got to do a lot better in that regards of trying to do things to improve because one of the things I've often I've been amazed by and this even comes back and I'd love to hear what Nick's got to say and I think we've got another caller that has called in as well but one of the things that I've been fascinated by is the fact that um, even the people that are projecting these images don't necessarily fall in these images either because a lot of these folks that are the celebrities that are promoting these images of you know the women being a size zero a size one a size two or something that is not all of that attainable for many people. When you look at them in real life, they are not necessarily that themselves. Like I said, they are probably closer to the more standard build of what people are and not something that is fictional. At least that's my assessment. But would you agree with that, Camilla? And then I'd love to hear what uh, Nick's got to say about this whole conversation as well. But sometimes when I'm watching these folks, they're not exactly rocket-thin themselves.
2: Well, it depends. If, if you're working with models, they are, but they're also bulimic. They have the telltale signs of it, anorexia, okay. bulimia, and, you know, they smell a vomit when they come for casting, um, which is pathetic, which, you know, stands to your, um, you know, supports your argument that they're forcing themselves to be at held to these standards, which are not right. It's
3: just not right. Yep, that's very much the case and everything. But uh, definitely, what are your thoughts, uh, Nick, and uh, just about the fashion industry and about um, its impact and also just about education in general and how we're not doing a good enough job? But ironically, we do seem to be doing a lot with the computer technology end, because I know that there's a number of these coding kind of schools. I know of... uh, um, Girl code, which is definitely about minority women doing this computer coding, and there's some other programs like that. So, I guess that's one of the exceptions where we might be seeing some educational improvement, or at least some better educational improvement. Would you agree with that?
5: Yeah, I, I think so. When we look at a lot of schooling, uh, a lot of schooling is sort of traditional, wrote, memorized uh, the solution to a particular problem. Um, and uh, very few problems that I've encountered in the real world have had a, a solution that I have previously memorized. Um, so I think the, the sort of creative problem solving um, that is, is needed to solve real problems um, can be expressed fairly easily um, in uh, computer science projects um, and it can do uh, you know, even kids, uh, really young kids, um, can do uh, interesting and creative problem-solving tasks in, like, there are these these Minecraft coding courses where really young kids will build um, extensions and mods for Minecraft. Um, and I think that sort of tying of learning useful problem-solving skills to um, what kids find fun and what how kids express their creativity um, is really important you know I, I got into coding um, through gaming um, and I think that that uh, that tie into the sort of intrinsic motivation to be creative um, really helps guide people towards learning rather than just
3: repeating. No, That makes a lot of sense okay. and everything. And I wanted to bring in, and I know, Camilla, you've got something that you wanted to add, but I wanted to bring in Leonardo Williams on, and he's actually got some unique ideas of that and even some things that he's doing in that sense, because he is an entrepreneur here in the Durham, North Carolina area, and he actually did a lot around uh, making sure that folks were fed during the um, Thanksgiving and Christmas season as well, of course, featured as a uh, so much of doing positive things that our current president noticed him um, and Mr. Biden brought him to one of the debates and all of that. But now he's involved in some economic planning that's going on in our community and definitely some positive things in that regard. But I'll let Leonardo talk about what he's got going on and these classes that he's right. got going on. That is definitely what we're talking about, though, trying to make sure that people are aware of things that they should be aware of in the school system, but are unfortunately not being taught in the school system <clears throat> excuse me, and he's from the uh, small town of uh, in Halifax, North Carolina, and he can tell you about that, but I'm not that far from him in terms of where I grew up at. But his wife is from uh, Zimbabwe, if I remember correctly, and everything. So they have got this amazing restaurant called Izueli's, which has some great African food <laughs> here in the area. But Leonardo, tell folks what you've got going on on your table because we've got some amazing folks here with us. I've got Desmond, the songwriter, who's got ties to Jamaica. I've got uh, Jason Weeks who is a musician and I've got uh, Camilla Olson and her uh, business partner who are involved in a fashion company that is based out of California and her uh, business partner uh, is is involved with that. Nick Clayton is also involved in AI and things along that line. So I know that that's something that has always interested you as well. So, Leonardo, share folks what you've got going on because I know you were doing some by Black stuff as well as some stuff around banking and other things. So tell our audience as well as our sure fellow deal. guests what's going on.
9: Sure Dale. Let me do a quick mic check. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right, sounds good. Well I I gotta correct you on one little thing. It wasn't our current president.
3: <laughs> I mean well, that the current I'm into like- one coming I made the one coming in office. Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned that other one doesn't count anymore. <laughs>
9: <laughs> I felt a punch in my stomach on that one, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's great to join you all on the stage tonight. Uh, you know, after reading off Who's on the call, you know, I was just in a, uh, I was in a group on Clubhouse earlier, uh, speaking with brothers and sisters across the waters in Africa. And We were talking about bridging the gap between Africans and African Americans, and one thing we talked about was collaborate and uh, co-create collaborate and co-create so it's beautiful to have so many people across the uh across the country on the call here uh, sharing this space um and i'm fortunate to be here with technology letting us be so close but yeah i um, my wife and i uh started the first we opened the first zimbabwean restaurant in the united states about two and a half years ago and uh we had another one uh there was another Zimbabwean restaurant to open about three or four months ago in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And ours is called Zwayli's Kitchen. My wife name is named Zwayli. She's from Buluwaya, Zimbabwe. And, um, yeah, our, our story is quite interesting. That will be a story for another time. Uh, but, you know, opening this restaurant, her passion is food. My passion is is education. And uh, I'm a former teacher of the year in Durham, North Carolina here and. Turned uh, principal, turned you know, uh, director for a school district up at the superintendent's office and uh, eventually became a consultant for our governor here in the state. And I, I love that work. However, my wife, her food is so good, and I don't say this piously, her food is so good that she, I asked her to quit her job and she started catering so she couldn't just sit home. She didn't want to. Next thing you know, I'm leaving the governor's office and I'm Going to drive and deliver catering for her, smelling like chicken, and then coming back to the office. So, I quit working for the governor and became my wife's delivery boy. And well, now we have a nice little restaurant thing we're doing. So uh, that, that, that's that's what we're that's our hustle now. Outside of that, um, I'm one of the co-founders of um, Bank Black Durham, and you go to bankblackdurham.com and hear all about that. And what that's all about is. Uh, is basically increasing home ownership by 10% in 10 years and increasing black small business ownership, because black home ownership is specific, and uh, black small business ownership by 25% by 2025. And uh, Netflix did something very similar to this in investing with the Black Bank uh, over $100 million. And the person responsible for that, Aaron Mitchell, who's the director of HR for Innovation, I'll be on a call with him on January 8th to talk about collaborating with Netflix in this area. Excited about that. We're working with MF Bank, the second largest black bank in the country. Um, but in regards to what you were talking about, Mark, uh, just recently, uh, I, after all of the work that I did last year with my colleagues, um, partly of getting $3 million in the local economy here to save our small businesses during the pandemic, I learned so much. I learned how to be innovative and creative and invoking those experiences, good and bad, into our survival method. Uh, those experiences, I'm now turning into strategy, and I'm doing that by way of a master class. that is it's going to be free. Uh, there will be, I'll get an economic boost on the back end, you know, once we're all stronger together. But in the meantime, what I want to focus on right now is just strengthening our economy from within, and that means strengthening my colleagues and myself from within, ensuring that we have all of our affairs in order in the Grand Transformation World. So I'm excited to announce that I'm launching on January 23rd. masterclass
3: with Leonardo Williams. Great. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing masterclass and everything. Camilla and uh, Nick have definitely been involved in that business space for a while and they have their own fashion company. I met them through LSX which actually ties into entrepreneurs and they're over there in the West Coast and all of that. But what advice would you, uh, Leonardo, give to others that are involved in business and what are some of the things that you think that the masterclass will teach that maybe uh, Nick and uh Camilla may not have thought about it, but if you were to offer this and they've been doing it for a while as well, so I might flip that question to them, but I'd love to hear some of the things that you might tell yeah. them as well as other entrepreneurs.
9: Yeah, so, so real short, you know, uh, know why you know know the passion that's driving you to do what you're doing. You know, your passion is on the beginning and the end. But you're realize that in any process where you start or where you finish doesn't matter, it's the journey that matters. And in this master class, we're going to talk about all those things that keeps your passion alive. You can be passionate all you want, but if you don't have your affairs in order in regards to your business structure, your business filing, your tax strategies, you know how you identify your business, how you build your business credit, you know how taxes, 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 you know how you how you stay on top of those things. How do you take advantage of the systems that are out there, such as Net Five, Net Ten, Net, you know, net Twenty, Net Thirty? And how do you work with manufacturers? I'm actually going tomorrow morning to Greensboro to meet with my flat brother, a uh, who just opened a manufacturing company in High And uh, he's killing it already. And I'll be working with him uh, and learning more about that industry so that I can help my colleagues more uh, utilize that space. But, uh, yeah, just making sure the master class is going to really talk about those things uh, the, uh, that are going to be focused on having your affairs in order And once you have the basics in place, how do you use those systematic processes out there uh, in regards to the government and and just taxes in general to your benefit?
3: It makes a lot of sense and everything. Camilla, would that be some of the same things that you would offer if you were teaching a master class? And I guess I'll ask Nick that same question as well. And then I'll come back to Leonardo and ask him if you've got any friends in the fashion industry. Because I'm sure that they would love some fashion ties. Because I do believe in networking as an important aspect of business. So if anybody on the call has got fashion ties, please pass them on to Camilla and Nick. They need them now. But Camilla, what are some of your thoughts? some of the things that you would like to share about some of the things that you have learned as an entrepreneur as well.
2: For, so for me, um, I think we all have unique learnings that, that we come to um, after some time. And, and for me, I've come to learn that I am an entrepreneur. I just, uh, you know, Born, you know, kind of came, I, you know, came home from the hospital as an entrepreneur. I, I, I know that. Um, but one of the things that um, I, happened to me is that I was born into a pretty crappy family and had some, um, like probably many people on this call, some crappy things happen happened to me. Um, but I, you know, I survived and things turned out pretty well. And when I look back on it, I figured out what made that happen. And so if I were to do a master class, what I would do is, um, is on that, and, and that is taking what I discovered is that the skills, that your survival skills that get you through these bad periods, because um, there's so many people in the world who have bad experiences, um, um. and they have these skills that get you through them. And then I think they could just get stuck in those, those bad feelings. But instead of getting stuck in it, it's those very same skills that get you to be an entrepreneur. And if you can just see that you can flip it to be positive, like, for example, resiliency, you know, it's the same thing. It's kind of perseverance, you know. Um, so it's my perseverance of getting through you know, waking up every day and saying, well, by, I live through this day, um, is, um got me to saying, well, I'm going to get this company going. Um, you know, so it's that kind of thinking is I just turned it into being, okay, I'm going to get this company going. So do you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you know, no, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> The gift that, you know, so kind of a weird thinking, but the gift of these bad experiences has made me a very strong entrepreneur where you don't give up. You just keep finding ways to pivot so that you really find the true answer. Nick and I would never have found this answer if I hadn't had those experiences to know where to pivot, where to find the corners to find where we are today. And we're in the right spot today. To really change fashion, and it's really amazing where we are and we are so excited to be where we are and I have to say i'm'm I'm a little thankful for my wife to have gotten me here for this so that yeah, was that my makes a lot favorite. of sense.
3: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that would be a great master class. And if I can add to that, and I'm sure Leonardo would want to say the same thing, that he was actually um, Leonardo. Would you share the story with Camilla before I get to Nick? Because as I understood it from one of your previous calls on the show before, y'all were pretty much broke at the time that the restaurant opened, and all of those people came in and everything. Because I know you said that you had quit the yep. teaching job, but as, as I remember correctly, y'all. I think you said you had gone to the bank account, and there was nothing there and then then you opened the restaurant and a lot of people came in there and that kind of, like, got all jealous float. But is, am I telling the story incorrectly or is that very much the case as I call that,
9: it? That, you know, that's exactly right. That's why I said what, you know, what, what she just said was so beautiful because I know this, my class is focused on a lot of the technicalities first and then it's going to talk about how people buy your story, you know, not your product. Your product will come. They need to know who you are and know why you're in this. And that's why what she said is so beautiful because we have to, you know, we have to be, like I said before, passion will get you into it, get your affairs in order, and that will help you keep your passion alive. When we opened our restaurant, like, we went to the bank and the bank said no. We went to a loan agency and they said no. We went to family and friends and they said no. And we looked at each other and we said, you know what, we're going to say yes. We're going to say yes, because this is what we want, and we're done with letting other people and other institutions determine our fate. So we did what we needed to do. We worked on our credit. We got about two or three credit cards. Uh, You know, we we took all the savings from the catering thing that we were doing, and I dissolved my teacher retirement. And we had about a total of $40,000 total. We used that money to buy wood paint and used restaurant equipment, and I got my friend Donald and his wife and my friend Ted from Raleigh, and my mother-in-law from Zimbabwe and my wife and I. We started building and painting and going around the state to auctions, buying used restaurant equipment, and three months later, we had a restaurant, and I went to McDonald's on the way home to get some oatmeal because we were opening the next day, and my car fly. And we had nothing, no checking, no savings, no credit card, no retirement, no anything. And I think that's when it really hit me, this is real. But we have faith as well. And uh, somehow the word got out. And that next, that next day, uh, when we opened those doors, the lawn was down the sidewalk. People were so excited to have something different. And, uh, well, we were able to uh, get debt-free in our first year.
2: Nice. That's amazing. Well. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Nice story. Yeah.
3: Nick. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, uh, what I, I would you that, be doing uh, if you could uh, do a masterclass? Like...
5: Sort of, sort of piggybacking off of, of off of that story because I don't want to pivot away from it entirely. Um, but I think that that sort of sense of, of yeah. connection and community. Um, there's a, a sort of mythos, particularly in in tech, of the, the loan founder who, you know, builds a business all by themselves. Um, and it's just not true. Um, and I think
9: uh,
5: finding finding the right people um, to help you along the way, um, whether they're, you know, business partners that that you work well with, um, or, uh, you know, friends who are are willing to, to pitch in and um, help out or, uh, you know, mentors mm-hmm. who can, can offer um, guidance and wisdom um, I think being open to, to that and not trying to trying to top it out and go it yourself um, is you know I could, I could talk about all of the, the like nuances of selling your story or finances or whatever That's that's great content for a master class um, and uh, I might not even necessarily be able to talk about all of it but um, I think that knowing um, that you you have people who you can talk to about that um is really important. Mm-hmm.
3: And I definitely think that mm-hmm. musicians are also entrepreneurs as well. so Jason <laughs> and Desmond if going to teach a master class in business and particularly the business of music, how would you handle a master class and what kind of advice would you give to folks about going into the business of music because it is a business with the whole thing of show business and I do something that sometimes folks get really good at the show but not good at the business aspect. So I'd love to know how what kind of advice you would give to folks in the, the whole music business industry and all. And I'll start with you, Desmond, and then come up to Jason. Yeah,
6: yeah. Well um I I think I think the other panelists have uh, spoken just that a lot of the same principles apply in other other fields apply to the business of music it's a it's a music business it's it's not just music and it's not just business it's it's both you know and um certainly you don't you you people are in business to make money but like every other business you shouldn't go into a field just because of money but because you have your heart is in it. You're you're working or serving in an area that your heart is in it. So first of all, if music is in your heart, you should do it, regardless of what, whatever the hurdles you have to uh, jump over, whatever uh, you know, whatever whatever rejection you get, whatever nose you get. If that's in your heart, you should go for it. And um, as a, um, so that's the first thing, you know, do what's in your heart and ignore the naysayers and, and you know, just follow your heart. And certainly, um, if, if uh, treat it like a business, it's, it's a business, you know. I mean, you have to think about, you have to have budgets, you have to kind of figure out where you're going to fund your projects, um, you know, if it means getting a, a day job to, to fund that first, you know, your, your initial projects. Do whatever you need to do to make sure you 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 you, are, you you have a source of funding you as far as possible you should try to avoid putting yourself at the mercy of record labels and people like that who will throw money at you and own your 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 copyright and own your masters and all that and own you and your family you know you want to as far as possible invest in yourself earn some money so you can invest in yourself and own your your copyrights as far as possible.
3: Um,
4: yeah. you know
6: those are some pieces of advice I'll give to anyone who is considering the music business.
3: Definitely. And what about you Jason? What kind of advice would you give to folks considering the music business as well? And then I have a question for Camilla and Nick related to something that you just said about the music business, but I'll hear from Jason first.
4: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I for I for one, I'm a very large supporter of music education, as many people know. So, uh, I uh, I felt that a very early age, you know, that God told me that uh, music education that music is my mission in life, and uh, I'm in it for the passion. I'm in it because uh, I uh, I have a talent, and I like to be able to use that talent to touch the lives of other people around the world. It doesn't matter, you know, what the media tells you, uh, what, uh, what the newspaper tells you. The uh, music is always going to deliver a more powerful message than any spoken word. So uh, I, uh, I definitely like to support. I have a system of different uh, music teachers throughout the country that i support and uh, i like to use uh, industry approved methods in educating new musicians and uh, trying to help them work through the industry so that they will be most successful at what they are doing
3: Uh, That makes a lot of sense, and I definitely think music education is very important. One of the things that uh, Desmond brought up earlier, and I'd love to hear Camilla's thoughts on this, as well as Nick, is that I've had the pleasure of talking on a couple of different platforms to folks that are involved in the music industry, as well as the film industry, and unfortunately those industries are very much... Corporate controls, and I would argue that the fashion industry is probably just as much corporate controlled as any of those other two industries. So, as a small business that is dealing with this corporate control, how do y'all survive in this? Because, like I said, y'all are not the Calvin Kleins of the world. I think this product is probably much better than the Calvin Kleins of the world and some of the other corporate controlled entities that are out there. So, definitely, I do think that it is oftentimes the big dogs that get the big recognition, and like uh, New York. Um, Fashion Week and Paris Week and a lot of of the other things that are out there in the fashion industry. And I know that y'all are trying to turn the fashion industry on its head and I think the fashion industry needs to be turned on its head. But how do you fight those big corporate controls? Because they oftentimes are in control of so much stuff, including our venues. Well,
2: I'm a little bit of a rebel. Um, So let me just start there and just say I'm you know sometimes I'm not the best person to be leading this company because uh, I'm getting mad at those things but um, so it's kind of good for us that um, the industry is in chaos right now because we can rewrite the rules uh, so I'm so on the one hand we we're working with luxury fashion, so I know I need the played by kind of the rules there, right? But, you know, they're full of bad boys and, uh, you know, kind of free people who are re- writing their own rules, so there's a little bit of liberty there, but I, I now I have to um, um, I'm going to just put an asterisk there for right now and come back to that in a second. Um, but as far as the rest of fashion, it, you know, we're rewriting it to future fashion with, you um, on-demand manufacturing, customer co-creation, and that's all new. We're just creating that, and I don't think that it is, it's not controlled by anyone at the moment. And so I think we are in there with everyone else among the IEEE 3D Standards Committee, and I think we're right in there, writing the rules now. So um, we don't control it, we don't dominate it, but I think we are we have a seat at the table, we have Technology to make it happen, um, so I, I feel like we're we're okay um, going back into um, uh, luxury. You know, I, I really am respectful of that business. I really, you know, I on I, I to me, they they're very important people. I respect their talent. Um, you know, my uh, let me just say, I, I you know a lot of these people are, um, uh, you know, are are gender fluid, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very close to that community, um, and um, so I feel like that's not corporate, um, so you know, I feel, um
0: Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. CTMobile.com.
8: Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.
2: If I had to stay within, you know, the rest of fashion, that would, you know, we would be in trouble. No, see, we would be in trouble.
3: Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Because, like I said, I've always saw the yeah, industry being very corporate and not always thinking innovative thoughts, and definitely doing stuff in that whole AI space is definitely innovative. Now, they have done some things every once in a while innovatively, but not on a consistent basis.
5: That's right. I think uh, you know we're we're trying to reshape the industry as a whole, um, and there will definitely be some of the the larger. Uh, corporate players who are, are slow to change, um, but our, our goal isn't necessarily to um, force those people out of the game, it's to, to bring them along um, in the change that we are, are trying to bring to the industry.
3: So that makes a lot of sense. And definitely, I think one of the changes that I'll need to bring is I've got a good friend of mine that actually sells a lot of African fashions and things of that nature. So I don't know if there's any African fashion line, but I know that uh, Leonardo's wife is from Zimbabwe, and I've got a good friend of mine uh Hanif uh, that uh, definitely designed some stuff in th- that regard. So, have you looked at any of the other countries in terms of some of the designs that y'all are planning to put together? I'm thinking Leonardo might even have some contacts for y'all in that regard as well, either directly or through his wife uh, that has helped him with yeah. this great restaurant of theirs. So. There's a,
2: a African um, e commerce site that um, I was introduced to a woman who ran that. Um, and I tried to work with her, but it was way too early in our product development. And she's like, "What are you? Not, you know, it's just too early. I have to reapproach her." Um, but yeah, I'd love to, because we do such cool trends. I think that's a natural for us to do that—to work with other countries. And we're working with Italian companies. We're being translated in Chinese. We're working with some Chinese luxury companies now. So yeah.
9: Uh, cool. Uh, so, our, our not... family owns the...
2: Go
3: ahead.
9: Uh, I was going not... our, our family owns the. Yeah, can you hear me? Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. So, my wife's family, um, we own the largest, or uh, one of the largest textile factories in Zimbabwe. And, uh. Wow. The, uh,
4: awesome. The,
9: before, thank you, before the economy tanked even more in Zimbabwe. Um, we had about 47 retail stores and it was casual fashion, but we also had a line, a few lines that are more high end and, uh, and mom, uh, she personally traveled to establish a relationship around the world. I mean, she had relationships in North Korea, you know, uh, so she, she just had a, a very diverse pool of colleagues around the world in regards to raw materials. She would have them all shipped to Durban, uh, South Africa, and they would uh, ship them up to uh, Bulawayo, and they would make whatever clothing necessary. Uh, they have moved toward being the middleman now, um, where they're they're uh, they're making clothing for uh, for line, uh, so they're they're manufacturing more now. And, um, but yeah, that's that's it's, if you uh follow me on any of my social media, Leonardo Williams or just go to my website, Leonardo dot com. Um uh, and just you know, just shoot me an email or if you go to my web my restaurant website, you'll see my wife and pretty much all the clothes that she wear. Um, it, it came from home or you know, my mom and dad what? come over here, they bring it. What's the name just, of your uh, website? Her name is, it's uh, actually, your, uh are you on Insta- your restaurant? Are you on
2: Instagram? Of course I am. Um so Sabat yeah, uh, was Camilla Olson O L S O N or Sabitude.
9: Okay, Sabitude. If you follow uh Def Williams or Dwaley Williams, uh that's Z in Zebra W E L I. That's her first name. Dwaley Williams. Or my D W E L
2: I. Okay. Williams, yes, W I L I A. Yeah, oh, yes. Zwilly's kitchen
9: yep. is our restaurant. But just look at any of the attire that she's wearing. Uh, mm-hmm. My my son made that back home. Or we have a friend in Atlanta that he had makes all of her clothing. Um, but, yeah, we, we actually, Zwilly and I met, <laughs> we were in a uh, modeling agency that traveled back and forth to New York to North Carolina. We met during that while in college. And uh, so we they, 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 the call is sort of full circle here because, you guys are in the fashion industry. One of my closest friends has a, sh- uh, a high-end fashion store here, uh, Vert and Vogue. Um, Bloody and I met in the fashion industry, and I'm a music educator. My degree is in music education, and I taught music for eight years before uh, moving into, higher, uh, into uh, school administration. So I'm loving this call, Mark.
3: Oh, well, good. Well, that's what we'd like to do is network and connect people that need to be connected on a regular basis and all of that. Have you ever thought about using um – AI, Or are you using AI on the restaurant end? Because that's part of what Nick is all about is this whole AI technology aspect. So have you been using any of your AI aspects? As I'm just going to continue networking people on this great call in ours, And Nick might have some AI ideas for you in terms of things to do in that regard. So Leonardo, have you been using the whole AI platform to get the word out about the restaurant?
9: No, I, I'm not as familiar in how AI can be incorporated in the restaurant industry, although I'm sure it can be. I just don't know anything about it. Um, We've we, we prided ourselves on being very personally involved, but that's not practical when it comes to expansion. And we just, you know, purchased our second location here in North Carolina, and we just we're launching the second location, the third location, I guess this is the second location in Zimbabwe next month in February. So we're flying over to uh, to launch that at the eight bedroom uh, bed and breakfast lodge restaurant in Zimbabwe. And also, I want your food. So. <laughs> Camilla's really over there
3: getting hungry, and it's very good food. I can attest to that and everything. Nick, what do you think Damn. about possibilities for both? Uh, Um, Jason and Desmond are musicians here as well as Leonardo to use AI. You've been helping Camilla use AI. So is there a way that you could use AI in the restaurant field or that our musicians could use some of these tools in what they're doing? As you've been hearing the conversation, are there any ways that you think that you could um, lend what you do into what they do?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely also thinking about ways to get uh, get that food over here as well. It sounds really <laughs> it's delicious. Good, isn't it? Um, but uh I think particularly for for restaurants as the um it's becoming more common for restaurants to have a, a digital presence. Um, uh, and I think as you um look at uh the that sort of that digital presence you can bring in some of the um, AI uh, techniques around looking at, uh, you know, people Instagram their food um, and what sorts of food are people Instagram, you know, what, what, what food from your restaurant is most grammable, which isn't necessarily the, the food that people are enjoying the most, probably it's just the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, food, but uh, I have heard that you eat with your eyes first. So um, I think there's a lot around um, uh, the the sort of marketing aspect um, that that restaurants can leverage in AI. Um, there could be some interesting applications in like in literally uh, constructing um, the uh, the the menu or uh, you know tweaking the menu based on uh, recommendations from AI could be a, a really interesting field. I don't I'm not very familiar with uh, the the research in the area if there is any though. You should
2: Sounds do like it could be You should do what
5: TikTok
2: you saying, recipes. You should do TikTok recipes. Turn your recipes into TikTok um, because I know my son's oh, a really, yeah. really, really big foodie and he's getting all his recipes off of TikTok now.
3: Wow, that's, that's
9: a
2: possibility.
9: Currently, every YouTube channel, but uh, TikTok is that's the hot spot right now. So, good, good point.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the place to be. because uh, everything here is amazing, and it looks like it'd be perfect. And It'd be easy, I think, to do. Um, you've got, um, I think, it would be easy for you to do that. Easy for me to say, like a... but it would, you know, the <laughs> photography is great. It would look really
4: good
3: is what well, I'm saying. <laughs> it sounds like, it it sounds like y'all are already day. checking out the website and getting very hungry. And I know that every time I see <laughs> you exactly. I get hungry and everything. But uh, uh, what about for uh, Jason and Desmond? Do you see some uses for AI in our musicians? Because I do know that sometimes AI was being used in these great um holographic kind of concerts and some of the concerts of some of the legends that have passed on, but I've also been seeing people I guess even use it in some of their um, virtual concerts. A lot of folks are doing virtual concerts because they can't do them with full audiences. So I think that's one of the ways that they're using it, but what are some other ways that you could think that our musicians could be using it, Nick? Yeah, I
5: think the the virtual concert experience um, is a a really um, interesting you know how, how to get uh, a virtual experience um, to be as as interesting um, as a live one, or at least come come close to it. Um, I think there's a lot, um, particularly in the, the like VR AR space, that can be done there um, to make those those experiences more engaging, more exciting. Um, and uh, I think you know looking at it uh, from a, a, strictly an AI perspective. Um, I think doing the experiences that way, um, doing experiences virtually like that gives you a lot of really interesting data, um, around what, uh, is drawing people to the experience. Um, so I, I could imagine, um, if you had, uh, a, a virtual concert experience, um, you could actually figure out, you know, what users are or what what uh, users isn't really the right term for for a concert, but what uh, attendees are most excited by, what they're most engaged with, Um, and that that could be really uh, interesting data. Um, There's obviously all kinds of of applications uh, of AI in music generally, Um, down to, you know, AIs that write, so they're they're probably not as good as uh, a genuine songwriter. Um,
3: but uh, there's, there's some really interesting stuff happening there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Jason and Jasmine, have you all been using any AI kind of products and everything? And I guess I'll start with Jason first as to whether he's been using any artificial intelligence, virtual reality kind of stuff in his concerts. And uh, one of the things I was going to just say to Nick before hearing from Jason is that that's one of my great regrets of both uh, the audio podcast which you are on now, as well as the streaming podcast which I'm on, uh, a few of those on IBM TV and everything, is that there is no true algorithms that is actually giving us the information that we need in terms of like what true listenership is. There has not been yet created, as I'm aware of, a Nielsen's for. Um, that kind of like growing industry in the podcasting world, which is both the audio, the more traditional one, which is what we're on now, and the up-and-coming one of the streaming types, which are both audio and visual, but I've yet to see maybe they're out there, but I've yet to see them any sort of real things that give you true senses of how many people you're hitting. You got like a idea, but it's not as accurate of an idea as what I feel you get from say, the Nielsen's and the Arbitron's and some of the other ones that have been out there for a while.
4: Uh, yeah, I artificial intelligence, along with the creation of music. Uh, the idea is very interesting. I think with uh, I think possibly with live streaming concerts. Uh, part of the challenge of doing a live streaming concert is you've always got to find a cameraman and a good audio man, audio person that can set up the audio And the streaming For you Especially if you Want to do it In concert Sound But If you have Cameras With artificial Intelligence That can, uh, can Follow you You know As you move About On the stage Or in the studio And then also Like Downloading On iTunes on Facebook Have virtual Audio intelligence That can kind of track your fan base and find out the statistics for you that can work automatically 24 hours a day. uh, I think that would be a very good use of artificial intelligence in the music industry.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. What about you, Desmond? Have you been doing any with the songwriting um, well, or with any of your concerts that you've been doing? Have you been dealing with any artificial intelligence or any of those things?
6: Um, I mean, the only thing that, that I... The, the closest I've come so far is it, it, there's a, there are what they call digital audio workstations. Um, you know, there's the Pro Tools so, mm-hmm. that they use for recording and creating and um, there's Ableton Live uh, uh, Logic those are some digital uh, audio workstations. That, 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 I mean, I, I can't tell you that I know a lot about it. I mean, I've, I've been, I've worked with Pro Tools and Ableton, to a to extent. Um, and I know, you know, that it's an interesting topic that I, that is discussed a lot at music conferences and all that. But, I, I can't speak at length or in depth in any way on the topic. Well, my husband used to
2: work. Gotcha. At, uh, well, we're here in Randall,
3: that Actually, that bill. Was- I'm sorry, your husband used to work where?
2: We're at Tiji Design, which um, has Pro Tools. Digi uh, Design, which has Pro Tools.
6: Yeah, yeah The Design was the, was the creator oh, wow. of Pro Tools, but they are now owned by a company yeah. called Avid.
2: Yeah, and then he was the GM at Avid.
7: You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn
0: more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See t Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a company that I wanted
2: to mention, okay. Nick Halo. when um, you were talking about sound on the stage. Do you know Nick's Halo? Um, Name doesn't ring a bell
3: to me. I don't know if it rings a bell to any of our musicians.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: and what's his company he, do?
2: I, Nick, do you know how to describe there, this one?
6: There, there's, a, there's a company. There's a company developing a software right now that choirs can use to 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 sing together virtually um, and eliminate the the the, the, um, the latency um, in sound when different people um, are singing um, virtually um, so that's Oh that's that great. Um, that's great. Yeah.
2: That's so hard. Yeah, it's yeah, it's,
6: yeah um, I I am, I'm I've, I I was introduced okay. to it recently and Nick I'm, I'm planning to do
2: Nick Taylor does that wow. in con and the concert arena. Nick and I heard the first use of that. Um, in yeah,
3: that and that's definitely something that's needed because I know a good friend of mine who's in a funk band that's one of his complaints is that some of his musicians are in different cities in different places and he doesn't want to do it unless they can be unified and kind of like having that common sound that they're going to be doing it in different places so that's why he hasn't really got his band together in the sense of doing it in a uh, concrete fashion but I think he's going to try to do it in 2021 and hopefully he's going to try to get some of those kind of platforms that we're talking about engaged in that so that that can happen and everything one of the things we do in like As Gary said, we've got just a few more minutes. One of the things I always do toward the end is I love to get words of encouragement from all of our guests and also give our guests a chance to share where folks can find out about them. So we'll hear about Savitude twice because Camilla's is part of that company, as is Nick and everything. But if you can share your websites, how folks can reach you, even on Instagram and any other social media, and in any words of encouragement that you would like to share with the world in general that is listening to this great conversation. So I'll start with you, Camilla, and work my way all the way down to Leonardo. So, Camilla, any uh, quick words of encouragement and ways that folks can reach you, including uh, Leonardo, who's going to ship you some of that food?
2: Oh, thank you, Leonardo. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Please do. Um, Savitude, S-A-V-I-T-U-D-E, that's SavvyAttitude.com is uh, our website. Um, And then you can either find us at Uh, Savitude or Savitude AI on all of the social medias. Um, And, and, you know, we're Camilla at Savitude.com. And in terms of words of encouragement, uh, everybody who is uh, in Georgia votes tomorrow. And anybody in D.C. or thereabouts, um, stay home and stay safe, please.
3: No, I definitely agree with you. That is some great words of advice and definitely need to get that vote out big time in Georgia. Nick, any uh, ways that you want folks to reach you um, at Savitude and any words of encouragement that you've got as well?
5: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say it again, Savitude.com. Um, it's a great website You
2: should visit it. Um, How do you spell that?
5: Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just Nick at Savitude.com um, if you want to reach out to me directly. Um, or ship me some of that uh, some of that food. That sounds great too. But I think I think 2021 is is shaping up to be a good year. Um, so I, I think uh, you know the the world is going to be in a better place in 2021 uh, than it was in
6: 2020. So I'm looking forward to that.
3: No, I definitely agree with you on that. And one of the things I'm claiming for 2021 is that this is the year of hope and unity. I'm putting that out there on all my platforms. Anytime that I get to talk about it, because I figure if we put it out there enough times, it can be the actual uh, manifestation of it coming to reality. So, Jason, um, how can folks meet you on the world of social media and uh, websites and things of that nature? And any words of positivity that you would like to share as well?
4: Uh, My artist name? is Jeremy Wind, that is spelled A-I-R-O-M-E-E, and then uh, the last name is Wind, like it's windy outside. Uh, so if you Google Jeremy Wind, and you can also go to uh, my main music website on Reverb Nation is www.reverbnation.com. Forward slash Arami wind Causeway. I like a causeway that uh, you drive a road that goes across the ocean. So that's AramewindReverbNation dot com forward slash Arami wind Causeway, and that is my main music website. So, uh, but if you uh, also Google my artist name. I will come up on YouTube and iTunes and Amazon music and those places too. So I, I I just want to, uh, words of encouragement is that young artists who are starting out, uh, you don't get to be the next pop star of tomorrow by just having dreams and doing nothing. It takes, it takes a lot of work. It takes an awful lot of work, uh, I sometimes have spent fifty, sixty hours a week working on my music career. So, if if you have the passion, if you want to reach the world, you really, you really have to get into it, you know. And uh, you got to stand behind your passion and what you're doing.
3: Yeah, very much true about that, Desmond. How can folks reach you? Your social media, website as well as uh, ways that folks can uh, get in touch with you, any other ways that you want to share, and then, of course, your words of encouragement as well.
6: Yeah, well, you, the, the easiest way to f- find me is my website. It's desmondthesongwriter.com. I'm also easily found on social media, on Facebook, uh, Desmond the Song, uh, Instagram, Desmond the Songwriter, YouTube, Desmond the Songwriter. You can find me on Spotify. The album Happiness is Priceless on Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Music, um, all streaming and downloadable platforms. Um, in terms of uh, words of uh, encouragement, I would say people just follow your heart. Whatever is in your heart, go for it. And just keep doing it until you achieve your goals. Make sure you have those goals and just follow your heart. Keep working at it.
3: Make Makes a lot of sense, Leonardo. I'm giving it to you in terms of our guests, and me and uh, Dean will wrap everything up. But Leonardo, uh, how can folks reach you, learn about the master class, and get on the master class as well as uh, Zuley's restaurant? And then, of course, your words of encouragement, also.
9: Yeah. So, uh, in regards to my restaurant, if you just go to www. that's Z as in zebra, W. Blis dot com, and uh, you can just reach all social media platforms at at Blaley's Kitchen, um, and you'll find us. Right, in regards to me and my uh, individually, my masterclass, go to LeonardoWilliams dot com. You know, I'm on Facebook as Leonardo Williams. I'm on Instagram, Leonardo Williams or Leo from Bull City. Um, Twitter, Leonardo underscore NC. But really, the best thing to do is go to uh, leonardowilliams.com and you'll find me. If you go to my Instagram, just click on my link tree and you'll see a lot of my small business advocacy work there under uh, my link tree and my website and my medium where I write articles and publications and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, just leonardowilliams.com. You'll see all of the registration stuff for the master class. It is a free master class. Um, and, you know, it's just all about helping us, you know, just thrifting, uh, as a, as a, as a small business economy in each of our local communities. That's what it's all about. The change, they're going to be fine. It's all about supporting and sustaining locals because we are the ones that define the culture in our communities. So, um, in regards to just a positive note, um, you know, we are such a resilient people. I think 2020 taught us everything we needed to know, and that is we can sustain the near impossible. We can survive it. So now that we know that we can overcome the impossible, that's unexpected. Utilize that as a foundation of confidence and go forth through 2021. And this time, you beat the pandemic, but in a good way. You set the term and just do
3: whatever it is your dreams are indicating for you to do. No, that makes a lot of sense, and that's some great advice. to Go pursue those dreams and everything. And as a matter of fact, I don't think that since the last time that you were on, Leonardo, you've actually got a position within Durham doing some positive things and all of that, because I believe that you are now a member of, it's the Durham Chamber of Commerce, if I remember correctly, or one of those organizations that you're yeah, part of? Yeah, it. I,
9: yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Durham Chamber of Commerce uh, reached out, and I accepted the invitation to serve as a board, as a member of the board for the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, uh, I, I can't say this publicly because I just don't know. But there are a lot of folks that are working to uh, get my name submitted to be on the the White House Small Business uh, Council. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's my that's my line. That's my work.
3: Sounds good. You're doing some amazing work and some great things in the community, and we're continuing to do great things here on uh, Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. So, uh, uh, Dean, what do you think? First uh, show for the uh, year. I think we had some great conversation and some amazing people doing some positive things. So what are your thoughts as to what we brought to the table for the first of the uh, Monday of the year of 2021? Told you we're going to try to have hope and unity, and I think we had some hope and unity messages into this conversation as well. So I was wondering what your thoughts are. And of course, we're going to continue to try to bring these amazing guests on during the course of the rest of this year, as we've got off to a great start, I think with this one, just like we ended with a great one uh, to end out 2020. I think that we've come back with some equal fire, on 2021 so um definitely i think that part of what we need to do is encourage people to develop their dreams whether that's in entrepreneurship creativity or activism and that's part of the wheelhouses that i work in and i think that we brought you some folks that share that same passion on the first episode of 2021 but what are your thoughts dane as you tell folks where they can also hear the reruns in some of the other shows that exist
1: well, outstanding conversation tonight. You know, I'm going to have to replay it to really soak it all in. But we started out the gate in year seven, and we're doing a good job. We're going to keep it moving and pick up the steam. So that's what we're going to do, y'all. A Straight Talk with Dana Mark. Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to catch our replays on the Skyhawk Radio Network tomorrow night, and, well, tomorrow afternoon, and Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. And if you missed that, we got replays on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Spotify, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, PodChaser, Podcast Addict, Castbox, PodFollow, Deezer, Jay Savin. And right here on Blog Talk Radio, where we are a part of the Level Podcast Network, you can also catch the following shows, such as The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, The Chef Gang Radio Show, Funk from the Front Seat, Funk Music with Zach, Learning Unwrapped, Less K-12 Better, Marketing with Rush, Hashtag Rush Selfie, Mona Shake, The Minority Report. Mullings Music and Memories with Mark Lee, the online dinner party with Mark Lee, the Ben Fenton Road Trip, She's On Call, the Just Podcast, the Mark Lee Show, the Spin It Social Hour, Virginia Interfaith Live, and WNC Original Music. Like I always say, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime and the world is just stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. With that being said, it's a Six Man Things Geronimo. Happy New Year, y'all. Like I said, we got 361 more chances to write a new story,
3: so let's make it happen. Have an outstanding week. And we see y'all in seven days. Yes, we'll see them in seven days with some more great guests. I'm going to be reaching out to some folks, see what other kind of amazing conversations we can have. But looking forward to that. Like I said, January 4th was the first one, and we'll come back with some more fire on January 11th and who knows by then we might have figured out some of the activities going on in the, the playoffs because I think some of those early games in the NFL will be taking place on this coming weekend and then of course we'll get into the weeds and figure out who'll make it to the Super Bowl and all of that of course I'll be following my Marquette team hoping it is that victory that amazing comeback victory is a sign of things to come and if we can start going on a winning streak because we were on a three game losing streak and you know yours truly was having his feelings hurt bad enough my Vikings could make it to the playoffs and then my team had a three game losing streak but we reversed it and I need us to keep on reversing it and let's have a multiple game winning streak after that horrible losing streak
1: that's right. we're going to see what happens in the playoffs with the rest of the teams that's
3: left and then we're going
1: to get to the Super Bowl I guess
3: that's the idea so on that note, we're going to get out out of here, and I'm going to see what's happening in the rest of the world, because I don't know all that talk about food
1: Come on, made please. me hungry.
3: So I got to go find me some dinner.
1: <laughs> got to get something to eat, dog. Yeah. <laughs> all right, y'all. Take it easy. See y'all next Later. week. Later.
8: Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. (laughs) Hiya, pal! Where new stories meet tales as old as time.
7: Enchanté, mon ami!
8: And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.